Welcome to the Western Sports Podcast. There's two more games from our busy August schedule to talk about tonight, so keep listening to find out how many points we put on the board. It's Thursday the 22nd of August, and with me tonight are Will Island and Josh Payne. So the first of our two games this week was against Portland United on Saturday. Um, Will, you were at the game. Josh, you weren't, so you're not going to be talking very much during this bit. <laughs> so after our first two games of the season where we'd been away to... Bournemouth Sports and it had been blowing wind like you'd never seen before in your life that the dugout was taken off and then home to Sherbourne where we had frantic downpours for hours before the game. It was nice to get in a game where the weather was quite nice and no trouble from the elements and the pitches looking nice. Yeah, weather was pretty flat. Um, yeah, I mean, conditions at um, Weston's are always good. The pitch is always in pretty good nick. Um, I thought Portland started out better, actually. They were pretty strong and uh, strong in the tackle and started quite physical, but um, eventually Weston's experience and quality showed. So, like you say, the game started and maybe Portland started pretty, pretty strong and we weren't too bad. I think after the initial few minutes, we sort of got on top and put a lot of pressure on their goal and started creating some chances, really. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of a hangover from the Sherbourne game. Um, people were... I, don't know, I think Sherborne's experience told in the week before um, and perhaps the pressure was kind of you know still there from that game and a little bit of a hangover um, eventually when we got down to just playing football yeah Weston's quality did show and deserved to win the game okay so in the first sort of 15 minutes once we got settled in we had we had a few chances um, you know Aaron Swinger put Nick Boss in uh, Malik sort of drew a good save from their keeper and uh, there's another ball in from the from the right back into Nick Voss as well and we, we were coming sort of closer and, and closer and you're sort of feeling at this point well that goal's going to come in a minute isn't it it's, it's, it's there it's, just keep going it's, it's going to come and it's going to come soon yeah I think um, I remember actually standing up and sh- people know me know I'm an awful watcher of football I, I stood up and shouted at Luca at one point and said it's coming don't worry the goal's coming lads keep working and Luca. Yeah, great finish. Um, and as soon as the first goal came, there was a second going to come as well. I think fair play to, um, to Harry and Dwayne and Joe. The subs did, did help and the fresh legs did tell and make a difference up front. Right. So after our initial good start, our good chances, we sort of, like we say, you feel the goals coming. We sort of slip behind. And again, it's a softish goal to concede. So about 20 minutes in, you think we're going to take the lead. You suddenly find yourself wandered down. It's a, a cheap free kick given away and a ball into the box, which everybody missed. And there's one lad at the back post attacking it, and it's one of theirs. Yeah, I, I think, and the two goals I've seen us concede this season um, in the Sherbourne and Portland games, um, both come from set pieces. Uh, with a new goalkeeper, it's always, I think, um, a little bit unsettling. Um, and it's a, it's a big addition to your back line because he sees everything and if he doesn't come and get the ball you know your yeah, defenders have to be on hand to clear it and it was just a bit of a mix up and yeah an easy tap in for Portland and so we're 1-0 down and it, it sort of looked to knock the confidence out of us a little bit where we were we were looking promising and we had chances and you just felt like so you felt the goal was coming we, you know it was coming it was coming but then all of a sudden the stuffing was knocked out of us a little bit and although we weren't not that, I mean, we weren't struggling but it was a bit more even and you know Portland had another good chance Cuffey makes a good save where he gets down low and tips it onto the post and at this point we're going God, if we concede again we're in real trouble here yeah I, th- I think um, when you do when you have lost a game you don't think you should have lost 
um, and you go a goal down on the next one. That's when you really need to show some character. The experience of John Manley and co and, um, and, and Barrett in midfield really showed, and especially when Dwayne came on, added that little bit of experience up front. The experience and character combined got, got uh, Westerns over the line. Um, but yeah, Cuffey made a good save and redeemed himself, but other than that, you know, we didn't really give Port much of a sniff. So we get to half-time, we're 1-0 down, and perhaps that's not where we expected to be after the first 15 minutes where you thought we were going to sort of stroll away with it really but it wasn't a be and you know that's great character to Portland that they were under the pressure come away under pressure for the first sort of 15-20 minutes and get down the other end the one chance they have they're in the lead and and then they're in the game and you know it's, it's theirs to lose from this point isn't it and you know that's just good good display of character and effort from them yeah they only had one sub as well um yeah, and they're a little bit light on the management side. So, yeah, um, their, their players showed a lot of character, a lot of fight. And, you know, if they, um, if they carry on like that, they'll take points off teams this season just by showing that fight and that composure. And I think it's always the same with the Resi side and coming a long way from Portland. Um, that probably wasn't, I'm guessing it wasn't the best side they could have possibly put together. So, um, no doubt if they play like that every week, they'll get some, they'll get some points. So the second half starts, um, obviously Harry's had some words at half-time, um, trying to put us right on a, on the path, but um, and the first, I don't know, I guess the first 20 minutes of the game, 20, 25 minutes maybe, we had a lot of possession, um, we were sort of the, the dominant team if you like, but we didn't create anything for all that possession that we had. Yeah, it followed a little bit of a similar pattern to the Sherborne game, um, a lot of the players, like a lot of our young players especially, like the ball to feet. Um, need a bit of experience and Dwayne showed that about running in behind mixing up your runs turning defences round being physical when you need to um, I think actually over the two games the youngsters would have learned a lot um, a lot from it um, and yeah we were made a point of saying at half time during the first half mix up your runs um, and I think Malik uh, Jacob will learn big things from it so we started to get into it, we sort of getting towards the end and we, we have a couple of little switches. We go from a, a back four to a back three at one point and it sort of wakes us up a little bit. Um, you know, Luca causing a couple of problems. He had a good running cross and then maybe a chance it flashed past the post. So we're starting to get there. But, you know, the manager's substitutions, we, we changed and, and changed again. But I guess when you make substitutions, you want them to have an impact and that's certainly what happened on Saturday. Yeah, well... Dwayne got uh, two assists. Um, he came on, like I say, he's, he's a big boy, he's strong. He's um, yeah, probably lacking a bit of match fitness, I think he'd admit that himself. But um, coming on for 20 minutes, he really did change the game against possibly tired defensive legs. But he, uh, he really maximised that and you know, showed the quality when he needs to. I don't think in chasing games, Westerns will have a problem going into a back three. Um, they've got a host of decent anchor midfield players. Sweetie had a really good game in... Um, Wake's absence, um, and when you've got powerhouses like John Manley and Jake, uh, Jack Dicker at the back, you know there's not many players that are going to out run and out strengthen those boys. So it does give Harry a little bit more leeway to throw players forward and, and really put a team under the pump. So the game turns. There's ten minutes to go. Like you say, Dwayne's on. He, he makes a run. He turns his man, sticks a ball in, and there's Luca. I mean, it's a it's a good, great cross and run by Dwayne, and it's a it's a great header by Luca as well. Uh, <laughs> If you told me Luca was 16, um, just from watching these first 16, few games, 17. whatever he is, I'm yeah, not sure. Close, like. I, see. I thought he was like. He's quite. I think he's quite young. Oh, he's got to be 16. Isn't he? 16 or 17. Yeah. 17, yeah. I think. 
well, I mean, even so, he, he, he doesn't play like it. He plays like a 22, 23-year-old. He's, he's big, he's physical, he's, he's clinical in front of goal as well. His finishes was really good. Um, and obviously he'd scored two um, in, the, in the Bournemouth game. Good energy. Yeah, and, you know, he, he puts himself about, he works hard, he runs defences ragged, um, deserved his goal. Um, but like I say, Dwayne coming on and delivering the ball and putting it into an area where uh, Portland hadn't probably been tested enough making them defend yeah Luca Luca finished it really nicely yeah, um, yeah. I was right behind his head it was, a, it was a beautifully guided header into the corner it was very nice to see and I think I mean that was that was probably it with 10 to go just like the first goal in the first half of Portland sort of knocked the stuffing out of us a little bit and that confidence evaporated that equalising goal just suddenly brought it all flooding back and you were stood out there on the pitch thinking no we are going to win this we are going to win this and not long later Dwayne's at it again you know a bursting run pull back and there's another substitute on hand yeah I haven't really considered it till now but I don't expect there's a single person there in Westlands in Western Blue um, look, watching that game and thinking after we scored the goal I'll go back to a back four or I'll go back and you know, you know we've, we've got the equaliser now let's you know play with a bit more balance it was always yeah this is a game we've got to win um, and we quite clearly had Portland on the ropes for a good 15 minutes before the goal actually came um, which again is a credit to Portland for banging on but um, yeah the goal was a matter of time and Joe it was almost like his first touch he rolls in an open net you know it's absolutely a dream for a sub um, but yeah again Dwayne gone down the right hand side and laid a really good ball across can't, uh, can't praise him enough so you certainly want your subs to make an impact and that's what they did and, and uh, minutes later I mean obviously we we did go up and then we did switch it back to a back four and, and change it slightly, but that didn't stop us creating another chance a couple of minutes to go and it was Joe returning the favour to Dwayne. He's two and a half, three yards out in angle, and, but I mean, he obviously felt sorry for Portland at this point. He'd done enough. Yeah, I think um, we'll put that one down to his match fitness again. You know, he gets, probably gets some minutes of training and turning up for the resis. Like, it was a bit of a sitter. Um, I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up after me, you know, talking him up so much. But uh, no, he will look back at that one and think he should have got off the mark and had two assists and a goal to his name in 20 minutes. Okay, so overall, I mean, we we won two one. It's a it's another win on the board. It's important. It's it's you know it shows a bit of character to come from behind. So not the best performance, but good resilience, and we'll we'll take the win. Is that how we look at it? Uh, it's three points. It's all you can get. It's all you can take. So um, job done. I think. Harry and I think the rest of the boys will say we made hard work of it I think it's really important for us to be taking the lead especially with our pace up front we're always going to hit teams and if, as long as we're clinical we're going to put three or four past teams on a break when they're pushing to chase games so it definitely suits us to go goal up um, and conceding those soft goals from set pieces would definitely be something we need to watch OK so good start for the week um, Next up was a nice away trip to Shaftesbury. It's just, uh, under the lights in Shaftesbury, a midweek game. We always like, well, I always love a midweek game under the lights, personally, and why, why wouldn't you? And, and particularly at Shaftesbury, it's a, it's a lovely club to go to, you know, great facilities, you know, the pitch, albeit it's on a slope, it's a nice place to go, and there was plenty of grass on the pitch, Josh. <laughs> there was a lot of grass on the pitch. Um, no, it was a nice, it was quite warm, still quite warm playing in it. Um, lots of grass on the pitch, lovely facilities. Um, Shaftesbury got it good and they have some lovely food as well after the game <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll save that for later on <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I guess one of the maybe it's a surprise to some maybe it wasn't a surprise to some but we, uh, we lined up in a, in a different formation than we have done for the last well two or three seasons 
you surprised or yeah we don't often play five up top <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we I think we've played the same formation for the last three years for as long well for as long as I've been here anyway uh, so it's nice to mix it up and yeah it's enough it's refreshing <laughs> okay. and uh, well the um, the match winners from Saturday Joe and Dwayne not involved I mean we're not I don't know why or, or where they were but is was that a surprise or is that just the way this level of football goes that sometimes people are, are not available particularly midweek games and with work and Dwayne stuff uh, yeah Dwayne and Dwayne works in Bournemouth so midweek is going to be harder for him um, I can't speak for Joe I, don't, I think he was working in Crawley actually I worked with Joe so um, he was in Crawley doing some kind of photo shoot or something he's kicking off his, <laughs> is he a model? Kicking off his modeling career I think yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah I'll ask about that when I see him tomorrow um, no I think when you've got players with the quality of um, Steve Flynn come back in or Jimmy Grimble as we now know him um, <laughs> in his magic boot <laughs> Uh, and Wakes obviously coming back into the side you know um, I think the five at the back really suited Wakes he made, he had a quite a nice evening I think he had um, two of the biggest players in the league shielding him and he got to stand back and sweeper and shatter people <laughs> um, which really suited him well I thought but uh, I think um, yesterday was much improved you're it trying was... to say it made him look good <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say I think he was quite happy there um, <laughs> Uh, they were sort of. Uh, I think it was a better performance on uh, last night against the strong Shaftesbury side as well. I think they were they were physical and, and uh, good to a man as well. Um, I think our additional quality out front showed, and Barrett and Steve Flynn in the middle uh, were a little bit too much for them in the field. But yeah, suit us. And we went into the game. Obviously, Shaftesbury before this had played three one three, so we knew this was going to be a very tough game. Yeah, well, as it always is to be fair out of Shaftesbury it's, it's, it's always quite difficult with Shaftesbury I can't remember beating them convincingly in recent times um, but yeah I think I think. I mean we, we started so we started the game playing up, up, up the slope and, and they were probably the better side for yeah, the, I'd agree with that. the first 10 minutes they I mean they had us they had the ball they had us penned back but again they didn't create no it, it's almost like a tale of a game really um they, they pinned us back but didn't create a huge amount it's a testament to the guys behind the ball working hard to win it back for us hit them on the counter it's basically the tale of the game and the first chance that fell to us was uh, come from a, a sort of long throw in Luca getting on the end of it and the defender did really well to get a block in yeah um, I think actually Payne you flicked it on um, it was yeah it was, those long throws are really useful um, and it Gives you that something a little bit different. Like I think I've already said, we're looking to score goals on the break with using our pace. But if we're not going to score goals from open play, we need to be a threat from set pieces. Uh, and Luca nearly took that one again to take a tally of four. Um, bit of a good block, solid block. So we, we started to get into the game after you know we'd settled into it, and it, it's starting to get even really now, isn't it? You know we're breaking breaking pretty quickly and directly at times. They were playing a very high line and we were hitting balls in behind them. And it was basically win the ball back, play quickly, hit areas, and it was working. So it wasn't the nicest of football to watch at times, but it was effective. Yeah. Well, if you're doing something that's working, you, there's no reason to change. Right. You abuse it, don't you? Yeah. And equally, I mean, the other side of the game is, you know, we were breaking quite effectively at times, like you say, and, and, and at speed. But, but the other side of it was when we lost it, we had, a, we had a good shape about us and we were pretty solid defensively. Yeah, I think when, especially as Shaftesbury were playing a, a three up top, 
Um, wing backs really suited because it always meant that there were kind of two cover, two covering either side. So if a full back or a centre half got turned round, weights can cover, or you know um, the free centre half can cover. And like I've already mentioned, they're both big lads, big, strong, quick, physical lads. They're going to get there and they're going to cover it. So um, I don't really remember a really clear cut Shaftesbury chance where they really cut through our defence. So um, credit to credit to the boys. So the, I think the, the next effort was probably a, a long-range shot from Mao, which uh, was close. Was and that then the keeper saved, but the ref gave a free kick, a goal kick. That was the one the keeper saved, <laughs> and the ref gave a goal kick. But let's not worry about that too much. And then maybe a turning point in the game. So, I mean, I wasn't really aware it was happening at the time. It was obviously not close enough, but all of a sudden one of the Shaftesbury players picks up a sin bin <laughs> I was on the pitch and I have no idea what it was for <laughs> obviously descent of some yeah, sort yeah. and he must have said something but yeah no idea I just turn around and he's walking off the pitch and that was quite useful for us obviously go down, down to 10 and he was one of their players who was dictating things for them but, but unfortunately one of the first things we had to do after that sin bin was again it, it, we're not going to call it a chance so much it was a long range effort which Cuffy sort of gets his hand to and tips it out from the top corner mm. yeah I can only really I actually think that uh, Cuffey made more saves than the Shaftesbury keeper. He made two clear-cut saves. Um, mm. First one up to his right, like you mentioned, in the first half, when his near post, good save and turn it round. Um, but the Shaftesbury keeper was actually really good. He, um, a few of the guys watching around us were saying how, how good he was. He was coming off his line really well and actually yeah, and snuffing out a lot of our counter-attacks yeah. and probably would have had against other keepers um, more saves to make because I think our strikers would have beat for pace quick, and get to the ball. So... I think um, well played Shaftesbury keeper but Cuffey did make a, a top save first half mm. and then did, did we starting to get it and you're going with, we're trying to take advantage obviously of having the extra man and you know you get wide Josh and smash the ball in across the box and it just sort of you, you just need someone on the end of that don't you I hate it when that happens it really frustrates me but it's the same for everyone you put a ball in the box you just hit an area and it looked like Luca was going to get there yeah. but yeah just a little bit maybe a little bit too hard for me or maybe just didn't anticipate it god knows <laughs> but frustrated me <laughs> <laughs> but then of course it doesn't matter because just a couple of minutes later rolls the reverse slightly and it's Luca who's got the ball wide right and probably Josh your best place to talk us through this one screamer top bins <laughs> <laughs> what from Luca? Well that was a hell of a ball he I think Plumley put it in an area again and Luca <laughs> showed his pace and his strength really he did really well against the fullback um, cut inside and put probably the, perf- the best ball he could put in straight on me Swede and I sort of scuffed the header straight at the keeper and he got a hand to it but it went in <laughs> a scuff header yeah you can't do it I did it <laughs> it went in it went in I got a good enough connection with it and he got a hand to it yeah. a bit I mean you got something in. on it and couldn't keep it out so it can't have been quite as bad as you describe I mean how did it look from, from the side well it looked like a screamer I was from the, I was from the far side and I, 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 I'm not sure whether probably put him in or whether it was Luca chasing a lost cause but he did really well to beat a defender in the ball get down to the byline and, and give himself just half a yard to get across in and put it into an area and uh, Payne managed to head a ball down hard and yeah it was uh, uh, it would have been a hell of a save if the keeper had kept it out yeah. Yeah. so that just about takes us to half time it's 1-0 up um, I mean you go away at Shaftesbury you're 1-0 up at half time you're absolutely delighted generally aren't you so you know no complaining and the second half starts and obviously Shaftesbury are going to come at us a little bit because they've got to go and win this game haven't they yeah uh, it was after one of our infamous Western Sports halftime team talks where we talk for about two minutes about football and then talk about food <laughs> um, <laughs> and how many plates of Zaza Bazaar we can eat but um, they came out they came out as they 
started in the first half at us and they, they looked like they were on top in the second half but they didn't really create anything no. the chances were a few but we rode that out for a bit and then we you know again just like the first half we, we rode out the initial pressure without really conceding too much and um, well Josh was asking you, you you know you, you were trying to trying to reverse reverse the roles of the goal really you were stick crossing onto Luca and we nearly got there yeah Will said I crossed it too high <laughs> and I thought I put it right on his head but he yeah it was just a ball in the box again. It was some good football, actually, to lead to that ball in the box. We switched the ball. Plumley just laid it back to me, and I put a ball in. Luca just over the bar. But it was good football again and a chance. Um, I think we created more chances in the second half, definitely, than we did in the oh, first. Without question. And a lot of them coming in the last 10 or 15 when the like pressure was being piled on, maybe. But, uh, I mean, and then, again, Will, you were talking earlier about Cuffy making some good saves. He, he, Again, pulled off a good save, diving off low to his l- left, wasn't it? Yeah, to hard and low and to get, get a hand to it and push it away from goal. Yeah, it was probably the uh, Shaftesbury's best moment. A decent little player, I think he played yeah, through the middle. Man, he? Yeah, he, I think he'd just come on a fresh leg. So whatever he, reason. he played started fullback yeah. and they yeah. moved him to the mid. He, um, he played well and he moved the ball well onto his left foot. Um, kind of 25 yards out, struck the ball low and it kind of zipped off the dew towards the bottom corner and Coffey turned it around with good, strong hands. Um, but yeah, that was the best moment. And actually, if it had gone in, it would have been a bit of hell of a strike. Yeah, I, I stood behind it and I thought, this is going in. I was just watching it. Hell of a good save. Fair play, coffee. <laughs> okay, good. So we start making a couple of changes. So uh, Flem comes on for Mal, and um, I think it's fair to say Mal had played pretty well, hadn't he? Yeah, I think, um, I say, having just come back, um, one of the first questions I asked was, well, where's Malik? And he's like, oh, he's been working all last year. Um, and thankfully he's managed to sort that situation out and he's playing football again which is great to see um, I think again by his own admission he's a little bit short of format fitness, fitness he's not mm. quite at the level he was when um, a couple, couple of years back um, but his quality is obviously there to see and that number kind of number 10 role behind the two strikers really suited him um, a, great, a great effort in the first half good at a bit of skill in his own half to keep hold of the ball and, and get the ball you know, to feet and relieve pressure from defence so fair play well played Malik so I mean, Matt, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a great game, and, and to be fair to Mao, he, he he does admit that he's he's not quite fit enough. But when he told the manager the other week that I'm, I'm not quite fit enough, so I'm not coming training. I'm going to the gym. How do you think that helps him? <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on that. That's a that's a matter for Harry. But, um, Different types of fitness. <laughs> if he uh, if he wants to find a replacement for number ten, then uh, you know I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> There's such a thing as pub fitness, for example. <laughs> Okay, so we, uh, obviously we just said uh, Flem was the one who came on for Mal, and um, I mean, one of the first things Flem did was chase 60 yards down to the ball and get to the byline, pull it back. Not something you necessarily associate with him with his game, but I mean, I mean seriously, that was, he did really well there, didn't he? It's a, it's a weird, <laughs> weird like concoction of events because we had a, Wakes had a free kick, put the ball down, looked up at me, and I was, I pointed down floor, just put it down the deck behind the fullback. And I'll chase it, and he floated it. <laughs> I just didn't move, <laughs> and I've just seen Flem run past me. I was like, "What is he doing?" He's got to the ball before it goes to the byline, which is a hell of an effort from him. And he's put a great ball back. And I think it was Nick Voss who almost tried like a little back heel. He didn't really have a huge amount of. It was, it was one of those lovely little between the leg flicks, wasn't it? You yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you, you Azola, Azola against Norwich. To be fair, when he left his foot, I thought it was going in. Yeah. It was a hell of an effort, but he didn't. He, 
it was an angle and a half, yeah. so fair play to him. He should have scored. <laughs> <laughs> it went about an inch or two past the far post. A very excellent run by Fleming. Obviously, Nick Boss had come on and seven. You know that would have been one of his first touches as well, and that would have been a great way to introduce yourself into the game. But so the, probably the one scary moment we had, uh, in particular, was where we sort of nearly shot ourselves in the foot to a degree with. Um, Jack Dick was trying to shield the ball out and didn't quite manage it on this occasion. No, got away with one there um, against probably against the better side with a twenty goals and goal a season striker up there. Um, we're probably we're probably looking at a one-one. Um, I think actually where the game should have been killed is probably can't point a finger at defenders. Like the defenders have had a, a solid game all the way through, and you know it's pretty much their only time they were cut open um, at any point. I think our second half chance is going the other way yeah. um, where we're man, man v man I think especially bringing Vossi on and he's got a lot of quality we've got to be looking to put teams uh, teams to put teams away 2 or 3 2 or 3 nil, and you know kill the game there and all of a sudden that pressure that they're built up at the end of the game you know isn't quite so uh, isn't quite so uh, involved in our in our decision making Okay so then uh, we get we ride that out obviously it was a you know, half an open goal and he put it over so we, we survived but uh, and one of our other subs Jacob Manley had come on and uh, I think he got a little bit of stick from a couple of our own players for the first thing he did by not running into the corner with it perhaps when he, that might have been a better option but the second thing he did was well I think as you described it Will best tackle of the season <laughs> he got everything he got absolutely everything and it was he smashed him as well absolute tunnel vision it was a complete 50-50 ball great tackle fair tackle and keeper. the keeper did exactly the same again the Shaftesbury keeper like we said had a, had a good game um, and he was he went in just as committed um, and the thud was you know everyone heard it crack, cracking tackle yeah it was, it was one of those enjoyable moments wasn't it you see a tackle like that which you, you I don't know sometimes it's it's almost you don't get them anymore because of, of everything, whether it's excessive force yeah. or whatever else you call it. But it was a great tackle. Nobody could argue about it. Every, it everyone knew. It, it was good because both players went in with intent just to win the ball. And it's, it's the fun of both players winning the ball. But Jacob coming out with the ball and a bit of a keeper as well, <laughs> which is always nice. But he had a keeper had a great game. And from that moment, Jacob was better. And, and it, when you're playing in a game like that and it gives everyone a lift if you hit a tackle like that and you're I don't want to say hanging on to a 1-0 win but trying to see out a game and you've got people working that hard to put in tackles it's always good like I say, it gives everyone that little bit more belief doesn't it of, of what may or may not happen and there you go so I mean the last 10 minutes of the game we were sort of I, I hesitate to use the word under pressure I mean we, we were defending let's face it but we had good defensive shape and we never, never felt like we were going to concede and they didn't create a chance. They just had a lot of the ball. The last 10 minutes was weird because they completely changed the way they were playing. They started getting the ball centre-half. The centre-half was travelling into space, which was similar to what they were already doing. But then he was looking up and just pinging balls down the throats of Johnny Manley and Dicker. And, and we can't like, ask for anything better than yeah. that, can we? <laughs> Johnny just eats them. He eats them and then spits them out. <laughs> so, yeah, happy days. We're... We'll take that every game, and it, it, it did feel like as long as we just kept our concentration, and you know we we would be okay defending that sort of thing. And, but equally on the other side of this, we we were defending these fairly comfortable, and with the likes of you know Vossi's pace and and Jacob out there and doing the running, that you sort of felt that hold on we're going to get one on the breakaways as well, and we did have a couple of chances from it. 
Yeah, I, I've already said that um, I'm a bad watcher. Um, <laughs> You're a bad player. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm bad at all of it, but the no, worst watcher. Um, I, I, on the side, I was nervous. They were huffing and puffing, and um, it did feel like they were going to get a chance, um, which they did get. It didn't take, thankfully. Um, I think if I were looking at, um, if, if, I, if I were, if I were Harry, I think I'd be looking and saying, you know, when we do get one v one with defenders who've been playing for ninety minutes and we've got fresh legs up front, um, those chances we're getting because Sharks were pushing so many players forward, we've got to be taking some. We've got to be taking one or two just to kill a game out and be, be that clinical and ruthless and say, yeah, we need to almost win with an undeserved scoreline. Do you know what I mean? Because a one that was probably fair on the night. Yeah, I'd say so. But um, um, I think that's the games where you've got to be clinical and you know, take 1-1 one, one out of the question and just go 3-4-0. You know, if we'd have taken our chances, it could have been, especially in the last 10 minutes, we could have won 3-0. Yeah. yeah, we could have won 3-0. Nonetheless, it's, a, it's you know, any day of the week you go to Shaftesbury and get a 1-0 yeah. win is a great result. Um, they've, been, they've started the season brilliant. It's a great three points for us. And yeah, like you say, Josh, I mean, that makes the food taste even better, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't think anything can make that food taste better. It's <laughs> lovely. Absolutely fantastic. Getting three points. As Will said at the Portland game, maybe not our best performance, even though the performance at Shaftesbury was better. But three points is three points. It doesn't matter if you concede. We won. Okay, so uh, other DPL results then over the last week. This is Saturday and midweek games. We'll just pick out the notable ones, which is, um, I guess, Swanage 1, Hammer, the Rex sticking 8 in. Murley Cobham scoring 7 again against Sherbourne to win 7-1. Um, Gillingham 5, Wareham 3. I mean, I, you know, I don't know about the game, but that must have been an exciting watch for the, for the spectator. Um, obviously, uh, Tuesday night, Hamrec 3, Holt 1. I mean, you were sort of hoping that maybe... Holt was a team who might be able to take something off Hamrec this season, but wasn't to be this time round. And I guess the big game of uh, Wednesday night was uh, Blandford versus Cobham. Blandford 4-1 up, sort of going into almost injury time, and Cobham scoring three goals in the last few minutes to equalise and come back from 4 all. So, you know, fantastic resilience and, well, whatever else you want to call it from them, but... Um, Shane Blanford couldn't hold out because I mean, but Cobham just score goals, don't they? It's what they do, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so the league table, um, if you look down the bottom, there's uh, Bridport and Wareham. We've both got zero points. Wareham off three games and Bridport off four. And you look at the top, well, guess what? Hamrecker top played four, one, four, 12 points on the board. Um, their goal difference is still less than Cobham's, but <laughs> I don't think it's gonna, it might not matter at this stage. No. But Cobham have played a game less as well, mind. So Cobham have got a plus 15 goal difference from three games, and they've drawn one of those games. Mm. And Hamrecker got a plus 13 from four, which is one thing about Hamrecker, Hamrecker, and they just keep on winning, don't they? Mm. They do. They're always up there, aren't they? In and around. They've got a good side. They always play football. They'll always be there. But one thing I'll take positives from is the goals that we've conceded the goals that we've conceded have been mistakes on our behalf I believe and it's positive for us to see that teams like Wreck and uh, Cobham are conceding goals so it's, that's a positive for us and we've only conceded mistakes I would say yeah, if we cut them out then cut the mistakes out we haven't conceded a goal Okay, well then that's it on the uh, DPL stuff then. So just a couple of little other points. So last weekend the big game was uh, Spurs versus City, and it's good to see VAR coming in to make sure that Spurs got their well-deserved point, isn't it, Will? 
I'm the wrong person to ask that question. Um, uh, I don't like VAR. I'm no, no secret, don't like it at all. The rule's a joke. Um, handball one way and not the other. Uh, uh, I don't just, understand how that's, that's a handball that's in the mental. first place. Uh, I don't understand. Crazy, crazy rule. Um, I just, um, my faith in football being a Bolton fan is, is, <laughs> is falling away. We'll okay, come to okay. that. Okay. Oh, we'll come to that, yeah. So, one other question <laughs> there. Okay, so one other question there. <laughs> we don't, I think, I think we're all agreed. Spurs deserve nothing for that game. They got something. It's not, it's not VAR that's wrong with that rule, it's the handball rule that's wrong. That's why. The rule was correctly applied by VAR. If that is handball, the rule is wrong. It's not Ian Holloway. I think, is that, isn't that what we're saying here? No. I, I, no. I think... <laughs> I was having this conversation... Who was I having? It doesn't matter. Was, I think it was Smithy. Smithy was saying, basically, you watch football and the last two minutes of a game, if you score a goal to win it for your side and then you have to sit there and watch another two minutes of VAR trying to make a decision, it just ruins it. And I was just like... I understand that, but if you sit for two minutes and an incorrect decision is given and it ends a draw and you've been celebrating for five minutes, I just think it's bizarre. I think, I, I think there needs to be an element of, like in cricket, you've got the umpire's call where if it's a certain percentage out or a certain chance, then it, the umpire's decision stands, even if potentially it's out, like in the Cricket World Cup final. So if an offside, if someone's offside by a millimetre or two millimetres, that should stand. Go to stand. Yeah, but the goal should stand. How is anyone supposed to see that? Yeah, that's, Doesn't matter. That's what if, if you got a, like, if someone, if that brushed Laporte's arm, whoever it did, surely it doesn't. Surely, if no one sees. Nobody saw that in yeah, real time. We, no one saw it at the time. Surely it just. We used to moan about goal line technology, didn't we? Yeah, but that's now a factual. Yeah, yeah, no, no one moans about that anymore. No, because it's factual. Whereas you've still got an opinion making that decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I see what you mean. It's difficult. The thing is, the thing is for me. Um, yeah, VAR applies subjectivity to something that's already subjective. Um, you're just asking for another opinion on something that is, you know, already somebody's opinion. And taking something away from the referee that's on the field actually just destroys his credibility. There's a system in hockey. Hockey uses a system similar to cricket. Um, and I don't want to sound like a complete kind of technophobe here because I'm all for the goal line technology. It's great. Um, absolutely, that's fine. Um, hockey have a system where, similar to cricket, where a captain can review a decision. Um, and they can say, you know, um, that wasn't a foul. Um, we're going to we'll have a review for that. They get uh, one or two reviews a game, and if um, and if, if it's uh, proved that you know they're right, they maintain their review. If they're wrong, then they lose a review. Um, if you were to do that and have the screen on the side of the pitch that the referee can go and review his decision, then okay, that's that's okay. But I don't think it's right that decisions go away from the public eye and we can see who's making those decisions. I mean, we all made the jokes in the, in the World Cup about somebody making a decision with a gun to their head. Like, actually, it does take the credibility away from decision-making. Mm. So I'm, 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 I'm just, I don't like it. It's I don't know. I think if a referee has to go to the side, he's under a bit of pressure to either change it or, I don't know. Anyway, let's leave that. Um, did anyone see the touch map of the Sheffield United centre-halves from the weekend? No, but they play overlapping, don't they? So basically, their touch map was mostly on the outside of the opposition's penalty area they play three at the back so are we expecting like 
manly, manly and dicker <laughs> to be up getting balls into the box is that is that how we should play from now on they've got the quality to do it <laughs> but I want them in the box yeah, can they can they not just cross it in and get in there and head it themselves <laughs> Okay, so let's get the serious stuff then. Will uh, Bolton, you're a resident Bolton fan. The only one in the southwest. Uh, things are not going in that well, obviously. Um, you called your game off, and with some justification, it's, it's probably said to a degree in the week. And not looking that rosy. Yeah, I think um, I think I know Phil Parkinson yesterday was the Bolton manager resigned. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't want to be a manager in charge when uh, a kid got hurt. I mean, there was a tackle from a Tranmere player on the bottom, um, on the bottom captain. It was like age 20. Um, last Saturday, it was a two-footed straight red, got a yellow for it. It's another matter entirely. But if if I were a manager and I was putting these kids out there, um, I would have a duty of care on yeah. for those, on those players. Yeah, but you do. I mean, it's like they had. So obviously, last week they got they lost five 0 to was it Tranmere? Tranmere. But they had like three 17-year-olds, a couple of 16-year-olds in the side. And you, and you do have a point where these, these, these are not adults. They are children. And, yeah. and like, you can't continue to play them. And you do have that duty of care. And you do say, Look, no, sorry, we can't do this. And we have to draw a line somewhere. And, and it's been drawn. And people, are, when you say, oh, they're 17, 18, they think the picture of Ronaldo at 17 or 18, these kids aren't built like Ronaldo. Yeah, but Ronaldo wasn't built like no, he is now. He's this, this is the he's point. Scrawny little. They're, they're like the lads that we're seeing, like yeah. Luca and Jacob, who are, who are playing age kind of 16, 17. They, you know, they are like that. So um, the kids have done absolutely brilliantly to do what they have. They've got a point at home to Coventry, who are you know, playoff candidates. Like, um, and the future's bright for them. They've got careers ahead of them. But if one of them was to get a leg-breaking tackle just because of an owner is trying to get an extra million in his pocket, um, I think Parkinson's right. He can't, he can't stand by that. And, and <coughs> none of them get paid? No, they're not, I don't think they're being paid at the moment. I think um, some of them have got money from the PFA, haven't they? But not being yeah, paid yeah, by Bowen. Doing, <laughs> doing they maybe got 50% or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the stats on that. Yeah, but certainly they're not getting paid their, the full amount, the players, and, and the manager wasn't either. So, I mean, but that, that affects people's lives. We're talking, you know, League One here. We're not talking, all right, we're talking it's a nice wage, but we're not talking mega money here. We're not talking Premier League millions. We're talking a couple of grand a week, maybe. And it's like... Yeah, and you sort of go and people have mortgages. You live within your means, and it's not just the players; it's the staff of the club, and it's you know. And you get to a point where some people will be worried about their life, their livelihood, their children, their families, and this has a it's a huge effect on everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think Bolton are going to be okay. I don't see Bolton going under. I, I, maybe I'm just being optimistic, or I'm just you know, big club, just completely hide, you know, hiding the you know the reality that is that we're on the brink. But I think it, the situation is much worse than Bury. I think just from the last 20 minutes on the Twitter feed, Barry, yeah. Barry you're going to be okay. I think there's a last there's a last few minute bid. I think there's four bids on the table, and one of them seems apparently credible. So a bit of luck, Barry, turn that round. But these are these are, the important thing here is that these are community clubs. When Bolton were in the Premier League, they were getting one out of four of the local town population two games. Um, so when you put them in a catchment where Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Everton, Preston, Blackburn, Burnley are all are all you know within the area, uh, I'm not going to clue Wigan because no one watches them. <laughs> um, you know that's a massive impact on the community, and it's the same with Bury. Um, and actually, I think you'll start to see other clubs going the same way. So if you look at the likes of Stoke, Stoke have had an extended period now in the Premier League. They're currently bottom of the Championship. Um, they've got players like McLean, who is going to be on like 30, 40k a week. Um, they get three million now from TV money instead of 80 million, which is what you get in the Premier League. 
Um, that's his that's wages. Just, well, you know, three million is his wages for the year, more yeah. or less, and that's one of them. So if you've got a squad of 25 of them, you know, that's not sustainable. So owners are losing money, um, and they're not going to carry on doing it. They're going to say, well, take credited loans, get their money out, and then just leave a club to sink, which is what's happened. And, I mean, you know, we talked about the, the players there and, and the effect it, it has on them and their, their lives and, and stuff like that. And But this is the flip side to this, there's all these supporters out there, you know, Bolton is historically a big club, you know, it's cup finals and trophies and, you know, one of the, one of the age-old clubs. Bury's been in the Football League for years and years and years, but there's a lot of supporters out there who invest their lives into each club. And although they've got less supporters maybe than the Premier League sides have or whatever it is, it, it doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's a certain number of people there who are going to be massively affected if things, bad things happen and it doesn't come good and it doesn't work out. I mean, you included for Bolton, but for, I'm talking about everyone, Bolton and Bury, you invest your life in it and suddenly... You know, you go. You know, a lot of people they're there every week. They go every game. They travel away, and even if they don't, they support them. They follow everything about them. They know all about them, and all of a sudden, that's a huge loss in people's lives potentially. Yeah, there's a, there's a little kind of um, melancholy part of this for me as being a Bolton fan, but obviously from the southwest. So I didn't go to school in Bolton. I've not never lived in Bolton. Obviously, my family are all up there, so I do get to go sometimes with my family, but. Um, when you go to away days, I went to Wickham on the first day of the season, um, and when you do go, you get a feeling of a real kind of community spirit. You know, there's guys there who've been going to games for, you know, the old boys, 60, 70 years together, they went to school together. Um, and, you know, what keeps their friendship alive is going to football matches to watch Bolton together. And, you know, that's, I know my uncle's a season ticket holder there, does the same with his friends from school. So, um, and, you know, even if he doesn't live in Bolton anymore, it's the only time they really go and see each other. So, it's people's um, relationships. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a community, a real community thing, um, and especially like the way the world is at the moment politically. It's it's really more important than ever to keep that community spirit. Yeah, agreed. Right. Uh, I mean, just a quick word on uh, Phil Parkinson. Like you said, he's, he resigned yesterday afternoon. Um, he took you up from. If, just correct me if I'm wrong, but this is I think he took you up from League One to the Championship. Whilst Dunster had under a transfer embargo, so you couldn't sign players, he kept you up in the championship for a season. Whilst Dunster a transfer embargo, so you couldn't sign players. Mm-hmm. And although obviously last year it didn't quite work out, I mean that's still two massive achievements, isn't it? Uh, I couldn't speak highly enough of him. I know uh, it wasn't a good watch last year. We won, we won tonight four games and lost like thirty or something stupid. It was a really horrible watch. Um, but at the time, you were kind of asking the question about what he's doing. Um, but the problem we weren't seeing half of the job he was managing you know the guy has managed he's done three people's jobs not just his own so um, couldn't speak highly enough for him I'd obviously shake his hand and buy him a pint if I saw him in a pub somewhere but chances are that pretty slim but um, yeah, I doubt he listens to the Westerns podcast but I'll <laughs> see if I can find him on you Twitter or something will, <laughs> 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 yeah. okay right just to finish with then right got a little question for you Josh would you rather keep your current sleep pattern or would you like to hibernate for three months and have nine months of 24-7 alertness without being tired? Oh. <laughs> 24-7 alertness? For nine months. Oh, it's difficult. I think I'd pick the 24-7 alertness. That, because I love sleep, I reckon I could hibernate for three months easily. But then no sleep for nine months? Yeah, that'd be all right. But 24-7 alertness So why would I need to sleep? Will, you? No, I love my sleep I <laughs> see no chance No chance I, I enjoy going to bed And just turning over And forgetting the problems And 
Yeah, Bolt Wanderers. Forget about Bolt and Okay, thank you very much for listening, everyone. There's still more matches for us to squeeze into August, so please get down to Alverton to support us if you can. Our next home fixture is Saturday the 24th, and that's against Holt, one of our rivals over the years. It's bound to be a good game, and that kicks off at 3 o'clock. And that is swiftly followed by in the midweek by our visit of our local rivals, Gillingham. That's on Tuesday the 27th of August, and that one will kick off at 6.30. Two very tough games which should provide some great entertainment down at Alvington, so please come and support if you can. We are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all other good podcast providers, so please subscribe and give us a nice rating if you feel it's worth it. Love to thank Will and Josh for their time this evening and encourage you all to get down to Alvington to see us before the August is out. Thanks very much for listening.